Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.amex slash you know. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from Pony Express Territory. There's so much history here, and yet people don't realize that the Pony Express as an entity was not, it didn't exist for 20 years, it didn't exist for 15 years or five years, it existed for about 19 months, and yet it is, it is firmly emboldened in the legend and history of, of America. And joining me now, the president of the Pony Express territory, Ed Spear. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm good. Then you heard my intro. It really only did exist for 19 months, didn't it? 19 months, that was it. Young men running across the country. St. Joseph <laughs> to Sacramento. Unbelievable. And, and what, what eclipsed it? Why did it stop? Telegraph. Other, other things started taking Once place. Once they got the lines up, yeah. that, that was it. That was it. But you know what's, it's, what's And the, the trains. Yeah, the trains, absolutely. Uh, but if you think about it, you know, Nevada's the Basin and Range, which that new uh, monument down there is being named after, but it's the most mountainous state of the Union, with 314 mountain ranges across Nevada. You know what? That is a surprise to me and most people listening to this show. Well, that I'm you're sure the most mountainous range. It is. There's 314 of them in the state. You know, there's some bigger mountain ranges, but when you take that problem along with being the high plains desert, arid desert. How do these guys make it? Unbelievable. I spent my, most of my life in the, on ranches and, and horseback. They were tough. They were double tough. And the animals, they Either run. they were tough or they were really drunk. Because, I mean, how do you get through that? Boy, you know. You just need to get on the trail once to, to really respect what they actually did. And it's, it's one of those things that you hear about it and you're excited about it and you, you see the old stations and you see these canyons. And, you know, I have a lot of people ask me, how far apart were the stations? Well, you know, the stations were actually based on what a horse could do <laughs> and to the nearest water. I mean, if it was really steep terrain, 
the stations had to be closer together. If it was so, easy, okay, so give me an example of, of, of what was the closest station and what was the furthest station. Well, I don't even know what the closest one was, but when you come out of Egan Canyon, that's north of Ely, Cherry Creek, that's where I spent most of my time. The stations were only like four miles apart or four and a half miles apart. Cause they were that's going that's nothing. They were going straight up. Straight up and straight down other canyons, and then it hit a, a, a flat or a basin, and they could go 15 miles. So there's a lot of variables in there, but you, you always get that question. How okay, now, stations? I got to ask the really stupid question. Okay. okay. It's coming. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> Wait till you see it. Those hills are still there today. Yes, they okay. are. So if I'm in my car, and I'm going up the hill, and the car breaks down, I can get on my cell phone, assuming I have any kind of signal, or I can stand by the road until somebody else comes by and helps me, right? Or somebody comes and tows the car. When the horse broke down, who'd you call? You couldn't call. There was no phone. There was no nothing. Nope, they just waited. And actually, if you, you know, I, there's some places where a couple of guys didn't make it uh, for whatever reasons. They didn't go out and look for you either. <laughs> well, there's a great incentive to join. <laughs> You had to be orphaned. Remember, you had the whole story, you know. But, yeah, they were young, tough men. That's all there is to it. And they had nothing else to do, so they did this. Well, they were paid well for the time. Yeah, uh, we're going to pay you great if you show up. If you survive. If you survive. Yeah, they, they preferred orphans. They could get, handle the gun fairly easy. They got $50 a month, and put that in perspective. What? That's yeah. a lot of money. Okay, $50 a month and all the bullets you could eat. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. And, all the, and all the horse meat you could digest if the horse broke down because no one was coming to look for you. Other than that, it was a great job. Great job. And, and excuse me, but what are the other benefits? There were no other benefits. No, there wasn't. No. They anticipated a lot of life, life loss, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it but amazes me more about it in 19 is in, in, when you first called me about the Point Express territory, you know, parallel come across this country and it pretty well pretty mark has mark in history will never be forgotten and there's so many things that come and go if it's not a war if it's not a tragedy it stays in it disappears but the pony express is never going to disappear they rewrite rerun it every year uh, you can still get the pony express stamp from the pony express riders when they do it so it's kind of uh, part of our history heritage it's and by the way when they, when they wanted the orphans they wanted orphans who didn't weigh a lot that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, lean they and want, mean. They wanted jockeys. Exactly right. I mean, lean literally. Yeah. The weight-wise is exactly what they wanted, yeah. Right, and they gave them a pistol, no rifle. And a Bible. And a Bible. Wow. Another benefit. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. What am I going to be doing on the trail? Uh, praying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many of them could even read. I don't know. <laughs> wow. You're too I mean, No, but, I mean, when you think about it, I yeah. mean, these guys really were taking a taking a huge chance. Yes, they did. How many did they lose? I don't know. They lost three or four that I know of, but I, I don't know how many they lost. I don't think they lost as many as you would think. Yeah. They anticipated losing more. That's why I think they had what they had written in there. Right. They had some Indian issues, and I think it was Pony Bob Haslam that took the longest ride of all because the other guys offered his monthly raise, monthly salary right. to take his turn. So. Now, they had to take a loyalty oath. Mm-hmm. What was that oath? You know, it's, it's sort of like you could get killed on the range or on the, on the trail, uh, but if you don't listen to the loyalty oath, we'll kill you anyway. I mean, what, 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 what? <laughs> I don't think it's quite that tough. But. I know, but hey, yeah, take a loyalty oath. Now, yeah. now, the Pony Express never, ever made any money, did it? No. It was a financial disaster. Well, because of t- it's a tenure. It was a lot of investment for a short operation. I mean, I think had the 
things come in earlier, so it lasted longer. Possibly they could have made money, but you know, it was a ten bucks or something a letter. I mean, it, <laughs> and you can't pack many letters in them little pouches. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, and to think, and to think today we have Federal Express. Amazing. Wow. Amazing how far we've come. And yet they still do that ride every year, don't they? Every year. Yeah. How long? 1,800 miles. Wow. 1,800 miles. But that, now you have escorts. Well, actually, yeah, and the nice relays, and they do. But, you know, they're still, it's still pretty darn tough because they take the exact same trail. You know, when you referred that earlier about the horse breaking down, I assumed you were taking your car on a Pony Express trail. And I was going to tell you, if you... If you take your car on a Point Express trail, which a lot of it you can, and you break down, you better have hiking shoes on <laughs> and a lot of water. And a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Spear, the president of the Pony Express Territory. Man, I really, I really appreciate that. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. I'm one of those people who can actually tell you I've been to Fallon, Nevada. <laughs> uh, my guest is laughing here, but I'll get to that in a second. And the reason why I've been here is because many years ago I produced a movie called Red Flag out of Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. And, of course, what did we do? We jumped into some F-4s and F-5s and F-15s, and we flew all over Nevada because all of Nevada just about is owned by the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management. And, you're over, and, our, and our battleground was literally over the desert not just in, at Nellis, but in northern Nevada as well, where they've got a naval air station right here in Fallon. So lots of history here. But I flew over it. Now I'm actually in it. <laughs> and my guest right now knows all about it, Donna Cassette from the Churchill County Museum. There is a lot of history here, isn't there? Yes, there is. There, we have, um, I, I would consider Fallon as being a hub of, of everything in Nevada, I think. Now, you know, I mentioned the naval air station at Fallon. People forget the Top Gun is now the training uh, for the U.S. Navy. Yes. Exactly. Now, I mean, people laugh when I, when I mention this, and I used to laugh when people mentioned this, that what would the U.S. Navy be doing with a base in the desert? <laughs> Correct. Um, I would assume that this was a perfect place to train. You can both train on land. It's not too far from the ocean. And a perfect place to store and test weapons. Yes, correct. Because you're not going to hurt anybody because you've got so much land out here to play with. We do. It's quite, and most, most people don't realize that you look at any Air Force in the world, their biggest problem in terms of flight training is they don't have enough real estate to play in. You got it here. Yes, and I think they're acquiring more. <laughs> So when we talk about the history here, you heard me say, you know, here we are on Pony Express territory. We really are. Yes, we are. It runs right just south of the city of Fallon, and it goes um, through our county. And it was a pivotal point in, you know, uh, technology as, as we know as far as uh, the mail running through. You know, somebody said to me the other day, they said, you want to understand Nevada. 90% of it's owned by the government. Mm -hmm. 8% is owned by the railroads. Yes. <laughs> And then there are a couple of guys with horses. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, I'm, I'm being too general here, but the point is that's really the way it was made up. Yes, yes. It, it, was, it pretty much has uh, a lot of public lands, and the Pony Express 
as it ran through the area, it brought, you know, a connection between the West and the East. And it was pivotal in, you know, the creation of Nevada also. When we talk about the Pony Express Trail, how long did it run? I think it ran about a year. But I'm talking about how long in terms of mileage did it run? Oh, I'm, I, I know it went from uh, St. Louis all the way, I think, all the way over to um, California. So this was a pit stop. Yes. It was one of many along the way. <laughs> exactly. And of course, let's not forget the Indian heritage. Correct. And, and the tribes are still here. Yes, we are. And I am also Northern Paiute, and uh, I come from a long line of uh, notable uh, Native Americans in Nevada. Well, let's talk about that, because if I'm going into, into the southern and in southwest, we're talking Apache, mm-hmm. right? But Paiute, people don't know that much about. Correct. Um, well, I know that you've probably flown into Reno, and you drove along of course. Here to Fallon, and you rode along a river called Truckee River. Now, you know what I know about the Truckee River? You're going to laugh at me. Let's hear it. Okay, you're going to laugh. I guarantee you're going <laughs> to laugh. In the 1950s, Reno was the divorce capital of America. Correct. Right? I mean, everybody came to get because it was the quick home of the quickie divorce. Yes, it was. Am I right? Yes, it was. So the very famous photographs were of the, of the newly divorced women throwing their rings into the, the Truckee River. Yes. How many rings did they actually find in that river? I don't know. You know what? I don't think they found very many because you know what? They all said they threw it in. You bet they had it appraised and got money back. Money. Come on. Because there's a pawn shop right up the road. You, you know it. Okay. That's right. But I mean, that's how I know about the Truckee. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, the Truckee River was actually named after one of my great-grandfathers, and he, his name was Captain Truckee. He met with um, John C. Fremont and uh, in guiding him over into California, creating the trail, the California Trail into California. And um, with the Northern Paiute people, it was pretty interesting to see the dynamics, or at least nowadays read about it, of how the relationship was with the first contacts with non-natives in this area and it was always held with friendship and then as we know history kind of um, dictated with what happened later. Sure, well, I want to talk about that because sure. there were the Paiute Wars. Yes, the right? 1860 and Wars. And in fact that's when the Pony Express stopped briefly because they couldn't get through. Mm-hmm. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. There were wars here. Yes, there was some major wars happening here. And in particular, it would have been the Paiute Wars of 1860. Yeah, that is very well noted in Nevada history, and that happened in the area of between between Silver Springs and Pyramid Lake, and there was a little ranch that sparked it was because of conflict of encroaching upon traditional foods, uh, the timber, the Pinet Hills, and it, it it literally started coming to a point in time where Native people were actually starving to death because they weren't able to... They were cut off. Yes, from the traditional foods. Yes, they were being rounded up and placed on uh, reservations as we know them. Um, And it came to a point where two Indian girls actually were abducted and stored away for safekeeping, Lord knows what. And... uh, and people were really concerned about it. And a well-known tracker, Captain Sue, went and located those two girls at Williams Station. And from there, uh, the Williams brothers were attacked by our Paiute men, our and Paiute the, warriors. And the war started. And the war started, correct. And 
the result of that was the Paiutes were very successful in, walk, in excuse me in the Pyramid Lake area in obtaining a large piece of ground to where they can actually uh, continue their traditional way of living till today. Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now, isn't it interesting that that Fallon is called the Oasis of Nevada? Yeah. It's, How did that happen? <laughs> it is because uh, the Newlands Project came through in about 18 or 1906. And what was that project? The Newlands Project was an Army Corps of Engineer project that dammed up the Carson River, and it rerouted a portion of the the Truckee River over to the Carson River so we can feed the dam to feed uh, more water into the Lahontan area so that you can farm the desert. And in doing so, uh, created a wonderful farming district as we have now called you know the Lahontan Valley, and uh, farmers were able to produce, produce many different crops. That they could never have done before. Correct, in, by using the water from, and we do flood irrigation here. Now, it's interesting because your museum has lots of different artifacts and historical objects, and obviously anybody can go see that, but you also run some tours. We do. The cave tours. Tell me about that. Well, we just celebrated not too long ago our 30th anniversary, along with the Bureau of Land Management, in giving tours to the Hidden Cave. Now, the Hidden Cave is located about 12 miles east along Highway 50. Uh, the Lincoln By the Highway. way, anytime you say anything here, it's always going to be along Highway 50. You know that. <laughs> That's right. That's Come on. right. <laughs> and it's... Uh, you can say two things about it. It's down by the river or it's along Highway along 50. Along Highway 50. Okay, That's fine. right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we're 12 miles out on, along that Everybody's road. <laughs> 12 miles out. Okay. Keep going. And uh, what you would do on every second and fourth Saturday of each month, Bureau of Land Management provides p- free public tours to the hidden cave and what you would see is is a guided tour you cannot get in the cave otherwise because there is a big steel door on the hidden cave itself but if you wanted to go out there I love without, it. if you're looking for the hidden cave look for the big, big steel, steel door, door. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but there are two other caves out there as well picnic cave and burton cave that you do not need a guided guide okay. to take you through. But when you go through there the guides are very well versed in the history of uh, the the tribes in the area, along with the archaeological dig that happened in the cave in the 20s, the 40s, and the 70s. And it just gives a wealth of information. And uh, more honestly, we prefer people to go to this, and we really encourage it. There's a wealth of information that you can learn about the history of the people here. And um, this is a premier archaeological place to go visit, I would say, in, in Nevada. And admission is? The mission. Uh, the admission is. The admission is free. There's both to the Churchill County Museum and uh, the public tours to Hidden Cave. Love that. Yes. All right. Now let's talk about the loneliest road in America. Here. The loneliest. This road. goes back to what Life Magazine. Somebody yes. right back 1986. Yes, uh, an individual came through, and I don't think he even came to uh, to Nevada to even. He never even showed up. He never even showed up. Well, he, he, just, he just read he, some he, correspondence. He proclaimed this from a distance. Correct. And he, he uh, pronounced it the loneliest road in America. And some people really got up in arms over that and really wanted to um, say, you know, we love our state. As with any other, any other state, they love their state that they live in. But it, the community was able to turn it around and say we are the loneliest highway in America. And, and are you? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. So and he was right, even though he never showed up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It doesn't have uh, a, a negative impact. You know. What, what um, makes it the loneliest? 
It's because you can travel long distances and people go at their own speed and there's it's not a major highway like the Highway 80. Yeah. And it's it's just a way you can get to know America on your own on your own grounds. Either that or they'll never find the bodies. Or they'll never find the bodies, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of open space. <laughs> Which means if you're looking for bodies, take it at your own speed, you might find a few. <laughs> My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. You heard me mention Pony Express Territory. Well, that also includes a place called Eli. Ely. Well, you see, there's Ely, there's Eli, Minnesota. Ah, yes, but we're Ely, Nevada. Okay, I've been corrected by Mark Bassett. <laughs> You're in trouble now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Who's the president of the Nevada Northern Railway Museum. Correct. I got that one right. You did. Okay, yes. good. So, and, and how far away is, 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 uh, is Ely? Ely is actually the most remote incorporated city in the United States. When you, if we're 300 miles from Fallon here, 240 miles north of Las Vegas, 240 miles west of Salt Lake City. Yeah, but who's counting? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you know, I, I said this earlier in the show, you know, when I, people say to me, you know, if you want to understand Nevada, you know, it's 90% owned by government in terms of the land, and, and then, you know, then the railroads, at least they used to, right? And, and then a couple of guys on horses. That's about it. And that is about it. Yeah. Uh, when you leave uh, any of the cities to get to Ely, it is quite the experience. It is a drive without much traffic. In fact, uh, Ely is at the end of the loneliest road in America. And is it is it really the loneliest road? Actually, US 6 from Ely to Tonopah is the loneliest road. It's about 160 miles, and I've taken that and only seen one car. Well, I, I have to tell you my story. Years ago, when I was working for the local CBS affiliate in Los Angeles, we were going up to Tonopah uh, to do a story on, on the Air Force, because they were using it for a bombing range. And out of Nellis Air Force Base in, mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. And I rented a car. And I said, you know what? In those days, Nevada didn't have a speed limit. Right. Remember that? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So, in, in, so I went to Hertz in, in, in Las Vegas. And I said, give me the biggest car you've got with cruise control. <laughs> right? And they gave me this big Lincoln Continental. Right? So I get this car. And I put it on cruise control and because we needed to get up to Tonopah, which is like a four-hour drive from, Correct. from Las Vegas. So. I'm flooring this thing. We're going 110 miles an hour. I mean, and there's, I don't see anybody. Yep. Right? Zero, <laughs> right? We get up there. I'm not making this story up. I can, I can tell the story now. You know why? Because the statute of limitations has expired, okay? <laughs> so I'm seeing nobody on this road. And we get up there. We do the story with the, with, with the Air Force and all the stuff up there, right? Now it's time to come back. And I'm with, uh, you remember Pat O'Brien? Oh, yeah. Okay. Pat O'Brien was our correspondent. He was with me in the car. So he, I'm driving, he's in the right seat, and we are now back on cruise control, 110 miles an hour. And by the way, how hot was it that day? Hot. hot. Okay. I mean, we're talking, it was about 110, mm -hmm. and we were going 110. <laughs> we're going down the road, right? And we're about an hour and a half outside of 
Las Vegas and patted the attention span of a flea. And we're sitting there and he goes, is this a rental car? I said, yeah. He said, great. And he starts like pulling the fabric out of the seats and he's like, he's just like destroying the car. He's, he's taking the rear view, you don't need this. He pulls the rear view mirror, I said, what are you doing? It's a I have to pay for this. And, and, he's, and, and, and he's taking the glove compartment and pulling it down and, and I mean, everything is falling apart. Every, everything, the, 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 the fabric liner, the visor, everything's going. I said, you're nuts. Now in those days when you approached the airport, you returned the rental car right there, you didn't go to a remote lot. And they had these speed bumps, these big speed bumps at McCarran, right? Yep. Now remember, we've now been in this Lincoln Continental for eight hours going 110 miles an hour on speed control in 110 degree weather, right? <laughs> we are beating the you know what out of this car and now he's destroyed the interior and I have to return this car. We made it over one speed bump and the engine fell out. Oh. <laughs> It's dragging on the street. And now I've got a car that's smoking, right? <laughs> it's like the Blues Brothers, right? I've got a car that's smoking. I've got a car that's completely decrepit, right? It's completely destroyed on the inside. And Pat O'Brien jumps out of the car and says, see you later. I'm like, <laughs> what? I now have to go return this car. So I figured, okay, I have to come up with a, right? I have to come up with a story. And here's this car, literally in front of the Hertz place. It's close to being on fire, right? So I walked up with my Hertz rental car and I don't know what happened. I was driving to Tony Pa, and I looked, and the thing, look, it, I became Jerry Lewis. Right? <laughs> and, and the guy looked at me and said, okay. I went, okay. I ran to that gate. <laughs> that was Tonopah. Yes. And thank God it was the loneliest road because we were really going 110 for four hours straight. Yep. You, you could have done it back then. But before we run out of time, because we're going we're gonna to go to another segment now, because I, right. I, I hogged all your time. <laughs> Let's talk about the railway, because that to me is, is great romance. It's great history. It's it's great storytelling. And the ama the amazing thing about the Nevada Northern Railway is it's a time capsule. Uh, we are essentially the same as it has been for the past century. We have the original locomotives that were delivered in 1909 and 1910 still in operation today. Steam. Steam, Man, of course. Love it. And, and we have a real great program where we actually allow visitors to be the engineer otherwise known as idiots like me yes <laughs> hello uh, this is your captain speaking there is absolutely no cause for a laugh head out on the highway looking for adventure When we last left off, you were making the bold decision to allow me anywhere near one of your trains. Yes, we actually do that. Uh, one of our challenges, of course, is we have the, this entire National Historic Landmark in the most remote city. And uh, believe it or not, it costs money to operate. And uh, so we have very, very unusual programs that you just can't do anywhere else. Like? Like the most unusual one is to be the engineer where after some training and the rules test, Peter, after you pass <laughs> that, we do allow people to get into the cab and actually operate the locomotive seven miles down the track and back again. So basically what you're telling me is I can't return the train and say, I was on the train, I don't know what no, happened. No, that's not okay, going to work. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, Mark Twain lived here in Nevada, so we took a page out of Tom Sawyer. We have Railroad Reality Week where people actually pay us 
to work on the railroad for a week. Oh, my God. That's great. It is. And uh, what we do is, again, they have to go through our safety training, take the rules test. But then we have them work in the shops on the equipment. We have them uh, work with the operating crew getting a train over the hill. We have them work on... We're talking about a seven-mile ride. A seven-mile ride, yes. Wow. And uh, then we also have them work on track. And then graduation is where they have to operate a locomotive and actually do some switching in the yard. Do so, they go through tunnels? They do go through tunnels. Ooh. Yes. And uh, you learn all about gravity because our trip, seven miles uphill, turn around. What comes up has to come down. Has and to you, come down. And you got to break it right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because uh, if you don't, you get to go real fast. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and that's when I return the train going, I had no idea <laughs> no, what happened. Happen. Okay, fine. <laughs> How much does it cost? Um, to work on the train? To work on the train, we actually, that's about $895. For the to, week? For the week. Does that exactly. include, does it include accommodations? No, it doesn't. You have to, but we do have a caboose in the yard that you could spend the night in. And if we you're also, very, very bad. No, actually, we have people come all over to spend the night in our tin teepee. So it, uh, it Unbelievable. is. It is. And, and the, people really will spend a lot of money to do this because it's an experience they can't get anywhere else. And we're... The more a person wants to do, the more we let them do as long as they do it safely. And uh, we're very open. We let people, really, this is hands-on, in-your-face railroading. This is the type of stuff that built our country, and uh, it is really amazing. How did you get involved in this? I've loved trains since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Did you have a Lionel train set? Absolutely. With the milk cans? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be, I was just fascinated with the milk cans. Oh, yes. Those kind of come flying out, you know. The old black transformers, the red and the green. Oh, my God. Oh, I actually got myself in trouble with that because on one April Fool's Day, we did a huge story about how we were going to save money by converting our locomotive into an electric locomotive, and the dispatcher was going to control it with the transformer in the dispatching office. And uh, people actually believed the story. They did. Yes. They were old enough to believe it. They were old enough to believe it. That's very true, too. I have, I have an admission to make. When I was growing up in Manhattan, I did not have a Lionel train set. So when I visited some of my friends in like the, the suburban communities like Larchmont, and they did, I didn't want to come home. Oh, yes. Um, because it was so cool. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't have that in an apartment in New York, you know? But, nope. No. But I'm telling you, somebody wants to give me a present before I completely croak. <laughs> Give me a room like the size of where we are right now in Fallon mm-hmm. with the whole train set going. I, I won't come out. There you go. I can understand But that. if you want to play for real, you go to Ely. You go to Ely. and Because you guys call yourself essentially an anti-museum. We do. And the reason we say that is because most people, when they go to a museum, they expect to go into a building. Here, the number one question we get asked is, where's the museum? And well, you're looking at it. You're, you're standing in the middle of it because it's over 70 buildings and structures. 70? 70. And it is a little, it is the complete complex left over from 1905. And who had the vision to keep it? Because that's not the American tradition. We were very, very fortunate. Ely, the railroad was built to support the copper mine there. When the copper mine ended in 1983, the community said, "Uh uh-oh, there goes the major employer. We better not, yeah. Yeah, so they went to the copper company and said, hey, could could you run charter trains for us? And they said, we're a copper company. We don't do that. So they dropped back, they thought, and they went back to the copper company and said, hey, can you just give us the railroad? You don't need it anymore. And they went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. And that was it. I love it. 
We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Allied radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? You know, I've been talking throughout the entire show of Pony Express territory. Well, my next guest knows a little bit about that. He's the uh, he's with the National Pony Express Association. Yes, they have an association, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Yes, they do. And uh, and his name is David Kittle. There's really an association. There is an association. And it's how do you join? How do you become a member? Ah, uh, you have to go to our website, and uh, you can go to any one of the eight states that are listed there. Because those are the eight states where the Pony Express where ran the Pony Pony Express Trail went through, and they all have their own forms that you fill out for their state. Right, but you don't have to be a horse rider. No, nope. you don't have to be a horse rider. Just if you want to participate, you can. You know, uh, you know the, the legend of the Pony Express, I mean, some of it's been blown one way, some of it's blown another way. So, some of it is apocryphal, some of it isn't. Uh, but one thing that's, that I think we can say that it was, it really was the network that kept this part of the world together. Yes, it, yes, it was. Um, it was the fastest mail service we could provide at that time. By the way, it's still faster than a lot of service today. Uh, yes, it is. We do the rewrite every year in June, and we still do it in 10 days between St. Joseph, Missouri and Sacramento, California. And you're riding it. And we ride it. It takes about 650 riders. And how many horses? About 700 or so. <laughs> and how many horses were at the end of the show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not many. No, not many. Exactly. Um, but in terms of the history, I mean, you, you heard me say it just a minute ago. I mean, it really was the fabric that kept communities together because it was the lifeline. It was the lifeline between the East and the West. And if you wanted something to go between New York and San Francisco, you, you chose the Pony Express to go. But it, you know, it's one thing to choose the Pony Express. The other things were the, were the harsh realities of, of the situation. Weight was a problem. You, you couldn't, you know, I mean, there was a limit to what they could take. Yes, and that's why all letters were limited to a half ounce as opposed to one ounce today. Really? Uh, it was that, so it was that precise? It. it was that precise? It was that precise. Uh, so how much I'm, weight could a Pony Express rider carry on one horse? About 35 to 40 pounds. But that was it? Yeah, that was it. He sat on, he sat on the mochila, which is the bag that they used to carry the, mo the mail in. It had four cantinas, and they filled the cantinas with the mail, and they locked three and left one open for mail being delivered between St. Joe and Sacramento. Sure, they would fill them up along the way. pick him up along the way. Wow. You know, we, today we talk about airline hubs and spokes. You guys are the original hub and spokes. Yes, we flew. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, but you were actually stopping, picking up, delivering, stopping, picking up, delivering. Yes, along the way. Right, as opposed to nonstop, you had stops. Right, but there <laughs> weren't many towns in those days, so it wasn't a, a huge problem. So, okay, in those eight states... How many, there were only eight stops? No, there were more than oh, that. Oh, no, 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 there, were, there was more than that. Yeah, because in certain states you had more stops, but right. in Nevada? Nevada, Ely, you, you had were Ely. On, the, on the western side. Yeah. Uh, we didn't go into Ely. Actually, we came across, um, pretty much high, we came across from um, Salt Lake City coming south of the desert there into Nevada, and then across the mountains to Austin. Now, Austin's where we picked up Highway 50. And there we and go. pretty much followed Highway 50 all the way over to California. Wow. Well, when you take that ride today, 
uh, and when you do that annual event, uh-huh. what's the biggest surprise that still lingers with you that goes, you know, like, they did that really? Not only did they do that, but in some instances, we can experience exactly what they went through when you get into the mountains. Like? Um, like coming off of uh, the Diamond Mountain at 12 o'clock midnight, and you have tall trees, so a full moon doesn't help you. It's dark, and I have a friend uh, who rides that, and I asked him how you do it, and he says, well, you get on your horse, you grab the horn, you stand up in the stirrups, and hang on. <laughs> he says, she'll stop at the bottom. Wow. Did they do a lot of riding at night? Yes, we ride 24-7. And but they, in the old in days? In the old days, they rode 24-7. Their average ride, uh, oh, 15 miles. You could exchange a horse, 15 to 25. They had a very liberal exchange program, did they? Uh, yeah, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, an average rider rode 110 miles a day, 80 to 110 that yeah. is, that's huge. That is huge, yes. I mean, even by today's standards. I mean, you're oh, as, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, today, today uh, our average rides are uh, 10 to 15. Right. Maybe 20 in some instances. See, after 10 to 15 miles, you'd have to change riders, otherwise known as me. Yeah. Yeah. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. Hey, Prime members, Peter Greenberg here. You can listen to Ion Travel ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, and you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.